0: Welcome to AIIW News. My name is Ryan, and I'm here today to talk to you about the biggest stories that are going on in our country and around the world from a biblical perspective. Uh, So we'll just get right on into it today. The big story is Silicon Valley Bank. That's going to be a bank you're going to hear a lot about this week and in the coming weeks. A little bit about it, it was started back in the 80s and it serves about half of all of the startups in Silicon Valley. And that may not sound very impressive, I don't know what you might think about that, but that is an astounding number of startups. So that's half of all the innovation that's happening in Silicon Valley. The money is flowing through that bank, which is why it was so important that. It not go under but unfortunately it did so this is a really weird 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 story this is not normally how things go or how banks collapse Uh, so back on Friday what happened is uh, Silicon Valley Bank the 16th largest bank uh, had a run on their deposits and what that means is that there were people who have accounts at that bank Uh, They have their money stored there, uh, a lot of them over $250,000, which is what the normal FDIC insurance limit is per account. Uh, There's some other special circumstances where it can be a little bit more than that, but that's basically what it is. It's $250,000 per person, per account. And what happened was there was a... uh, People knew that this bank was not going to be solvent. And so they started withdrawing their money. So $49 billion worth of assets were removed from the bank, which caused it to have to sell some of its debt that it had on hand uh, for less than what its value is. And that caused all of the problems that we uh, then see happening now. And basically the the approximate cause of this whole problem is the low interest rates and ESG in my opinion. So the low interest rates for sure, that's not even an opinion, that's just a fact. Uh, But my opinion is that ESG and all of the other factors that banks and companies have to take into account that aren't just profits, factors into the situation. So let me get started with the, um, let me get started with the (laughs) <laughs> uh, with the uh, the low interest rates. So since 2008, the, the credit crisis that happened then with all the homes uh, being foreclosed on and people not being able to make their mortgages because th- basically the system collapsed then, uh, we're seeing the ramifications of that today. And so the policy that the Fed had was to have interest rates for large banks to get money from the Federal Reserve they would pay a 0% interest rate. And so what you could do is you could take out a ton of debt and you could back that debt with low interest rate treasury bills uh let like a percent or less and you would be okay because you could take out all that debt, you could pay it back and you would be able to pay it back and make actually make a little bit money on the interest from the Federal Reserve. And so What happened was uh, we kept interest rates at zero up until uh, late last year, I believe, when the Fed started to raise interest rates. And so that means that uh, once the Fed starts to raise interest rates, those low interest rate T-bills, treasury bills, that they were using to offset their debts were no longer making enough interest to be able to pay the debt that they had because it went from being free to now costing a little bit of money. And so what this leads to is uh, people like Peter Thiel. He runs a company called Palantir. Uh, he's one of the original founders of PayPal, along with Elon Musk and a few others. Uh, so he ends up pulling his money out, getting his all of the people in his uh, sphere, telling them to get their money out, which leads to that $49 billion being taken out. And then once that $49 billion is taken out, this is the uh, Silicon Valley Bank is the 16th largest bank in the country. Um, and so normally what would happen is the federal regulators would come in and step in and take over. But actually what happened in this instance, which is very weird, the California state regulators came in and shut the bank down. And that's very weird because, what, uh, like I said, normally the California or the state regulators would be in charge of medium to small uh, banks, more kind of like local and regional banks, and the federal and the feds would take care of all of the larger banks. So the uh, the multiple state banks, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and SVB was the 16th largest of that group. And so it was very weird for California state regulators to come in and shut them down. So this whole story has been very, very, very weird. Let's read a little bit about it. So uh here's an opinion piece from the Wall Street Journal, I believe, or no market watch. And what it says is Silicon Valley Bank survived the dot-com crash and the Great Recession, but SVB met its match in Powell's Hawkish Fed. And what and, and that's a what that uh headline means is basically just what I already explained, that the rising interest rates of Powell's Fed means that it was harder for uh, SVB to make the payments on its debt, and that's what caused the whole thing to come crumbling down. So I'm not sure uh, what your uh, finances look like, but there are people who uh, have their money, who had their money in Etsy, who were unable to get it out for a little bit, and that was because of this crisis from what I can tell. And the biggest fear with something like this is that the crisis will cause what is called contagion. And that's just as scary as it sounds. It means that this uh, financial crisis here at this bank spreads to other banks. And what we saw today was there was actually another bank in New York that had to be uh, taken over by the uh, federal government and they're going to be covered by FDIC insurance and what we've learned in this whole situation is that the FDIC insurance of $250,000 is going to be extended to the entirety of your account. And the reason for this is at SVB, there were about 200, uh, about a little bit more than $200 billion in assets, and about 175 billion of those assets were unfunded liabilities. Which means that there was no FDIC insurance to cover them. So what happened is the uh, Janet Yellen, uh, who is running the Treasury Department, decided that we will extend FDIC insurance to the entirety of the account value, so that we did not, so that this crisis does not cause a larger problem for uh, more and more banks and. It, And it turns into a bank run like we saw back in the 19, uh, in the 1929 crash. So this is, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's what's going on with that. I just wanted to bring that up. I know that everybody's worried about it and it is definitely something to be concerned about my opinion, uh, especially over the weekend. So less so now, but my opinion is that if you have any money in, Venmo, so you know how you can attach your debit card and you can use that to make payments, but when somebody pays you, the account, the balance gets stuck in your account, I would suggest transferring that balance out, making sure that you are cashed out of anything that has to do with online money, because that money is certainly not insured, okay? Uh, So that's my recommendation. I'm not saying to go to your bank and, and withdraw money from your bank. That would not be a good idea. As we've seen, that money is safe. But what money isn't safe is any money that you have stored with a non-banking institution. Okay? So I just want to make that clear. Your money is not necessarily safe if it is being stored outside of a non-banking institution. So, for example, Etsy sellers. Etsy sellers collect money from people that they sell their products to. But in between the seller and the buyer is Etsy. And so Etsy was storing... People's money to be dispersed to them when they asked for it, and normally under normal situations and circumstances, this would be a hundred percent okay and not a big deal at all, because you know you know you can just cash out your Etsy whenever. But the problem is that Etsy's money was tied up in SVB, and so when SVB got shut down by regulators, they could no longer uh, ta- they could no longer process those transactions and pay out the sellers. And so my concern was that maybe the maybe your online uh whatever it is that you do online with money maybe it's not uh maybe they don't have their money in SVB but they might be in a bank that gets caught up in this what's called contagion and so we want to make sure that we uh do our best to be uh good stewards of our money and you just want to make it a lot safer and and take that out of anywhere online and put it into your actual bank, where it is protected by FDIC insurance. That's just my recommendation. Uh, I think that the Bible is pretty clear that we need to be good stewards of our money, uh, because it is money that God has given us to be able to do His will uh, with uh, that. His that we are to be able that we are to use as good stewards. So that's that's my recommendation. I'm praying for everybody that is affected by this SVB situation directly. It is not fun. To have your money locked up and to have it be dispersed by federal or state regulators. I don't know who's actually in charge of it now. I'm guessing the federal regulators have stepped in and taken over the situation now that they are paying it out. So that's just something to keep in mind. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And essentially this is what happens when everybody gets greedy. And, and the system that we have right now is not a just and it's not a righteous system. The system that we have right now means that if you have billions and billions of dollars, you can take as much risk as you want and make as much money as you can by taking that risk. But then when you take that risk and it doesn't turn out and it doesn't pan out, you don't lose all of your money like you or I would if we were to take risks. What happens is the federal government comes in and bails you out and make sure that you are taken care of if you're a billionaire. But if it's you and me, we wouldn't get taken care of because we just, they just don't care about us the same way that they care about the people that have billions and billions of dollars. And I understand the reasoning for that. The reasoning for that is they are concerned that the people with billions of dollars, if they lose their money, that collapses the whole system. If you with $10,000 or even a hundred thousand dollars lose your money, it doesn't really matter to anybody outside of you and your family. So they can just let you rot. And that's just kind of where we're at, unfortunately. And, uh, Yeah. So, you know, as you can tell, I have some very strong opinions about this. Um, I I think that it's completely unjust and completely insane that we are uh, that we're paying out all the depositors that have their money in there that have over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars recovering that whole amount because they knew that only two hundred and fifty thousand dollars was covered. They could have taken steps to open up multiple different accounts at different banking institutions to make sure that, that 200 to make sure that their money was safe, but they didn't. They trusted SVB, and that's you know they should pay the price for that. Unfortunately, that's just the way that the system should work. But we take care of people who have millions and billions of dollars in our society today. All right, so that's just something to uh, to think about there. Uh, Make sure that you do your best to keep your money safe. And I wouldn't worry if you have less than $250,000 in your accounts. You no need to go and rush to the bank to take that out. It's not going to be any safer under your mattress there. It's just going to be losing value to interest. So that is something to consider. So we're going to move on to another... uh, Per- pertinent issue today. Uh so what we've seen is the uh the Chinese have been using satellites to shine lasers down off of the coast of Hawaii and apparently there are some experts that believe this is the prelude to a hypersonic missile attack. So I'm not personally terribly concerned about being attacked by China. But let's see what this video has to say. Well, I guess it's just gonna be a little, <laughs> basically a slideshow. Uh, so what we can see here are lasers that are being shined down from satellites off the coast of Hawaii. And uh, what you see kind of in the background there are, um, or sorry, in the foreground are uh, uh, our telescopes out in Hawaii because it's a very clear area. You, generally, you have very clear skies with minimal light pollution out in Hawaii, and so that's why we put telescopes there. Um, generally, what the what is happening with those telescopes is they're actually shining lasers very similar to that up into space. Uh, what that does is it actually is, allows them to determine what kind of a refraction. <laughs> I am so sorry about that. I was not expecting that. Um, But what happens when uh, our uh, telescopes are shining lasers up into space is they're actually using that to determine how the atmosphere is affecting their images so they can apply computer corrective measures to make their images that much more clear. And so that's what usually happens. Uh, So you would normally see... And, uh, yeah. So uh, so again, sorry about that hiccups of a new podcaster here. Um, and so, uh, what we're seeing is actually the Chinese doing the reverse of that. And we don't actually know exactly what they are doing. This could just be uh, a bunch of theater to make us guess as to what they're doing. They might, it might just be a complete, um, distraction, or it could be what the Supposed experts are saying and that it's the prelude to a hypersonic missile attack could be anywhere in between that as well. There's a lot of different possibilities. We don't actually know they could just be doing. They could just that could just be their way of measuring the uh, the temperature for the climate or some nonsense. At least that might be what they claim. And so we've seen a lot recently from the Chinese. They're they're penetrating and probing our defenses and seeing what our response is going to be. That's what happened with the Chinese spy balloons that flew over the United States or balloon. I'm not sure if there were multiple or not. Uh, They could have been uh, just weather balloons, the other ones that we shot down. Uh, But they are testing what our response is going to be to different things that we do. Uh, So just before the balloons, they had these lasers going off. Uh, We didn't pay as much attention because lasers in the ocean um, isn't quite as big of a deal as a balloon flying directly over our Homeland, uh, because that balloon could have been doing who knows what I I haven't heard people discuss this, uh, but people were claiming that it was just there to conduct um, uh, like photo surveillance or video surveillance. I don't think that's what it was for at all. What I think was what is entirely possible is that they could use that to actually drop packages and drones into our country. And so I think that's more far more likely that there were things on that balloon the, you know, the size of a little, you know, a little ball, basically, you could have like a very, very small object, very hard to track that you could drop from that balloon and then have it go down like a drone and fly to its target. So there's all sorts of things that could have been done with that balloon outside of just normal photography, which they could do with a satellite, like everybody said, uh, they could have released it, who knows what kind of gases um, They could have done a, a whole host of things with having a physical balloon in our atmosphere that you can't do with a satellite. Okay. Uh, so, again, this is China and they're testing and probing our defense systems to see what we're going to do and how we're going to respond. And the reason they're doing this is we have a very weak leader. Joe Biden is not respected on the world stage. He doesn't seem to have his faculties together he seems to be a doddering old fool who falls upstairs on a regular basis and this is not me making fun of biden this is me just explaining how the rest of the world and a lot of our country sees him so he is not at the top of his game he can hardly speak He, he uh he's constantly mumbling and stumbling over his words and forgetting where he's at and turning to go shake hands with the air and walking the wrong way off stage it's it's very sad uh, I I don't know what his issues are. I'm I'm not sure. This could be uh, he could be have all of his um, faculties about him, uh, but it's just a fact of you know the brain surgeries that he had back in the 90s. I don't know. There's a whole host of things that could be the issues with Biden, but the the White House is not clear about that at all. They do their best to obfuscate that entirely. And uh, what we've seen from the rest of Joe Biden's White House is they're also incredibly incompetent. Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre is probably one of the worst press secretaries to have ever graced that office. Uh, She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't have answers for anything, and and she just straight lies most of the time, though it is uh, part of the job of the press secretary to lie, but she does it a lot more than normal. And so this White House is not respected, and so what we see also... Uh, I don't know if I have a story on this. Um, Oh, yes, I do. So we'll move on into the next story that involves the Chinese, I believe. So we see here, Saudi Arabia blocks Israelis from attending a UN event. So I guess there was a UN event in, I believe it was in Saudi Arabia. Let's check that. Let's see. uh, From Bloomberg, a group of Israeli Muslims invited to a United Nations tourism event to honor their picturesque mountain village was unexpectedly blocked from attending by host Saudi Arabia a sign that Israel's hopes of warming relations with Riyadh which is the capital of Saudi Arabia may be premature and so what we saw under president Trump is he is he had a lot of the a lot of arab nations sign what are called the Abraham Accords and so for the first time uh, Israeli planes were able to fly over certain countries that they weren't able to fly over. I believe that, uh, Israel could had a, had the right to travel to Saudi Arabia and a whole host of other things. Um, and then what happened within the last couple of weeks, uh, China came in and brokered a, a deal to deescalate tensions between Saudi Arabia and Iran. And so you might think those are both. Uh, Muslim countries, and they are, but they are countries that are on opposite sides of a religious faction uh, dispute. So there's Sunni and they are, there are Shiite Muslims. Iran is one of those and Saudi Arabia is the other. I won't try to get that right because I'll probably get it wrong. Um, and so there's been huge tensions between them. So if you actually look at Iran and Iraq, Iran is one of them. And then Iraq is the other. And they had a huge bloody civil war back in the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. And so there have been been many times when these factions go into all out bloody wars with each other. And so for China to come in and broker a deal between these two countries is very, very important. Usually that is what The United States does. And when a country comes in like China or the United States and brokers a deal like this, there's a lot of other economic activity that's involved. And so the reason why you want to open up uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia to each other so that they can trade with each other. They're both giant oil producers. My guess is that China is buying more of Iran's oil, which uh, allowed them to come to the table, which allowed China to pressure Iran to come to the table. Uh, China's also probably trying to buy more oil from Saudi Arabia, and their goal eventually is to get Saudi Arabia to stop selling oil in U.S. dollars, and that is a very, very, very big deal. So we have what is called the petrodollar that's in existence right now, and our dollar and is strengthened by the fact that the entire world uses it essentially as a reserve currency and so we uh we have our dollars go out to Saudi Arabia or sorry we yeah and and uh countries like even even in Europe countries even in Europe are using dollars to buy Saudi oil and so that props up the value of our dollar and makes it stronger internationally um and China would love to see this come to an end China Russia a lot of countries would love to see the petrodollar come to a stop. And that would have drastic, massive implications for us here in our banking system, in our oil-producing system. It would just be a complete nightmare. The entire way of life and the entire way that our economy has functioned since World War II would be upended. And I'm I'm not exaggerating there at all. The petrodollar not existing anymore would be horrifyingly bad for us in a lot of ways, and it would probably be bad for the rest of the world in a lot of ways, too, because it would mean that no longer the United States would be uh, protecting the oceans. So right now, the United States has by far the largest navy. Uh, Just to put it in comparison, the United States, I believe, has 11, it might be 12 now, aircraft carriers. So these are the nuclear powered aircraft carriers, the largest, biggest ships that we have in our fleet. We have 11 of them. The entire rest of the world, I believe, has five or six. <laughs> okay? So the United States has been dominating every single ocean across the world since World War II. And what that's meant is that we have been protecting the entire world from the problems of piracy and rogue countries just stealing stuff. So in, the, in, pol- in uh, political science what we what they believe is that on the international stage it's anarchy okay so there is no real government that is over the united states there's no real government that's over china that would be able to settle disputes worldwide and globally and so what that means is that there is a lot of space for pirates to exist and i mean pirates like pirates of the caribbean type pirates and uh So what we see is there's pockets of them that exist, especially off of the coast of Somalia, but they aren't such a big deal and they don't threaten worldwide global trade very much. So the United States didn't really take care of them very harshly until they started being a problem and kidnapping U.S. citizens. Um, But you don't really see pirates off the coast of the United States. You don't see pirates off the coast of Europe or pirates in the Mediterranean or pirates in the Caribbean. And all of that is because the United States has taken on the role of the world police. We've gone and made sure that there isn't piracy happening there to facilitate global trade. And so if we see the uh, fall of the U.S. petrodollar, which has been funding that Navy, we'll actually probably see a uh, an increase in regionalization. So right now we've been in a, a time period of globalization where United States has been trading with China and China's been trading with everyone else. And we've had this whole big happy system of international trade. But with the petrodollar falling and the United States potentially not being that world police anymore, there's no way to, for that tanker ship that's got a bunch of oil or that cargo ship with a bunch of cargo containers on it to guarantee safety as it travels across the ocean. And that would drastically change our world. What it's going to mean is it's going to mean that our regional trading partners like Canada and Mexico and uh, the entirety of South America are going to be drastically more important to us. And places like China and Asia are going to be less and less important trading partners to us as that gets more and more dangerous to trade with them. So this is a very big deal. What happens in Iran and Saudi Arabia with China has drastic implications here back at home. All right, so we got a couple more stories here. Uh, this one is uh, more related to religion. Uh, so we have Zelensky, uh, Ukraine seeks spiritual independence and acts against the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. So let's read what they did. Ukraine, according to the Jerusalem Post, Ukraine's punitive actions against a branch of the Orthodox Church linked to Russia are part of a drive to achieve spiritual independence, Z- uh, Zelensky said on Sunday. Uh, Zelensky and other Ukrainian leaders have accused the long-established Ukrainian Orthodox Church, itself under the ecclesiastical jurisdiction of the Russian Orthodox Church, of undermining Ukrainian unity and collaborating with Moscow. Authorities ordered the church last Friday to leave its base in the 980-year-old Pechersk Lavra, monastery complex, prompting Russian Orthodox patriarch Kirill to ask Pope Francis and other religious leaders to help stop the crackdown. Uh, So this is a very sad thing where the government starts to get into uh, religion. And unfortunately, especially with the Orthodox church, there never really was that separation between government and religion. And so even after the the Soviet Union split up there, the Russian Orthodox and the Ukrainian Orthodox still have a lot of ties together. And the fear from Zelensky and those in the Ukrainian government is that there is a lot of Russian sympathy or Russian sympathizers in that church. And so they're cracking down on it. Um, I I think that there's a lot of issues uh, theologically with the, with the Orthodox churches in general, and I'm not even going to get into that. It's just always sad when there are uh, Christians that are getting persecuted like this. And I I don't know if the Ukrainian Orthodox Church does have those Russian sympathies that the Ukrainian political leaders fear, uh, but certainly in a time of war like this, it, it makes sense what's happening, though it doesn't make it right. Alright, so we're going to move on to our last um, <laughs> our last story uh, so there is a giant seaweed blob twice the width of the US that is looking to hit Florida and so this is just something to uh, not necessarily to be too worried about but it's an interesting story and it's nice that there's a giant seaweed patch or whatever floating around out there, it's sucking up CO2 and sequestering it into the oceans, which is a good thing, apparently. I don't know. I'm not a climate scientist. And so uh, it's very interesting that this blob's growing. It's a huge blob. I, I couldn't find a picture of it just in time for it, but uh, you should go check that out. And uh, sorry, this is a little bit shorter episode than what I might normally do, but that's what we're going to have for today, and that was AIIW News. I hope you join me again on Wednesday for another episode. Uh, episode where I will be combining politics and the Bible and giving you kind of a biblical perspective on it. So thank you. I, I know it was a little bit light on biblical perspectives today. I will do better next week. Goodbye.